dissect the best and the worst of 90s teen horror. I'm Kirsty Logan, this is my co-host Heather Parry. Hello! You may hear some noises in the background. One of them is Rosie very noisily smacking while eating a treat that I've just given her. And the other sound, oh my washing machine is just finishing its <laughs> cycle and also my next door neighbour is playing an electric piano which is quite pleasant. Yeah so, I quite like it. Yeah. How do you know it's electric? It sounds electric. Very clearly. As the owner of an electric piano, <laughs> I could not As opposed tell. to, it's not a, like a real piano. No? No. Why? Well, number one, I didn't notice anybody carrying a piano up the stairs <laughs> okay. when they moved in. And number two, it just sounds like an electric piano. Oh, fair enough. You can tell a difference with your ears. I mean, ears. it's supposed to sound like real ones. Well, that one doesn't. Okay. Oh. Maybe it's an organ. This is Kirsten and Heather Who arguing knows? something Who fucking completely knows? fucking pointless. Um, so... Today, I hope all the background noise will be soothing and domestic if rather than listens, irritating. If anyone listens to the Blind Boy podcast, it's like his little gentle piano sounds. Mm-hmm. I think it will only add to the podcast hug experience. I hope so. And also you might hear Rosie and her little clicky claws walking around the flat because she's restless today mm-hmm. for some reason. Um, this ambiance suits this book quite nicely because there's a lot to talk about here yeah. uh, in this book. This book is Hide and Seek by Jane McFan, which is... It was some, it was different. Yeah. It was not what I expected. And in at fact, all. I am gonna give a bit of a content warning for mm-hmm. this episode. In fact, because and I think we should probably have done this on the other ones given <laughs> what we get into. But yeah. this book is kind of I mean, there's not really there's I'm gonna have to just say it. It's about hu- abusive home environments and veterans and PTSD. So if you find that triggering, like maybe give this episode a miss or just like take care of yourself while you're listening. Yeah, and I know a lot breaks. of people listen to this podcast as like a way to chill after a long day or whatever. And like, we'll still have fun chat and stuff, but it's, it's quite that, heavy. It's a bit heavier than maybe our usual ones. So mm. if this one is not for you, that's cool. Skip on um, to next week because uh, we've got an absolute piece of dog shit next week. So what are we doing next week? Hang we're on. doing an unleashed. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So you can you can maybe just skip this week if if you like, but you know it's an interesting book and I'm looking forward to talking about it. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. you can get a bit of chocolate, mm-hmm. be with someone, whatever you do. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So we should probably say what it is. You did. It's I did. <laughs> Tell me about the cover. I initially hated it, but it's really grown on me. Yeah. There's something about the color combinations that work, even though the it's cover like itself really is dog shit. Jarring and ugly, but then it it kind of grows on you. So it's a red cover, like a kind of dark darker red, blood red cover. Um, and it's got a very blue. Very blue. Very I would blue, say electric blue. Electric blue title, debossed in um, like metallic, which is slightly fading off now, which I quite like. Mm-hmm. Um, hide and seek. Because it is from 1995. Oh, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nice little segue. <laughs> Italiano. Uh, and then we've got a kind of like fade into orange on the bottom of the cover. But it's also like we're Laying on the floor in a Lying forest. Lying on the floor. What is the difference? Laying on the floor is grammatically incorrect. Why is it? It's just not correct English. Why is it? Lying on the floor. What if I'm laying? What no, you're I'm... not. You're lying. <laughs> what if I'm you can... having a lay? No. <laughs> no. Do you mean like you're fucking someone? You're laying someone? Well, no. Okay, what's the difference between lie, L-A-E, and mm-hmm. lay? You can like lay a table... But right. you don't lay down, you lie down. Why can't you lay down? It's just not correct. I think that's a British English thing. No, it's not. I think it is. Okay, it's not, but okay. okay. Well, I am lying. I thought you were the copywriter. I am, but I Look, check your style am guide. not okay. as tedious as other people might be about it. Uh... You are. <laughs> you, you are a pedant, and so am I. Well, maybe for our North American listeners, they can be laying on the floor. They can be, but it would be incorrect. <laughs> I'm going to check this. Okay. Uh... So we're on the floor. Okay, now. <laughs> what are the things that you've been tedious about this, uh, this Oh, series? everything. My Coffee. life is been tedious. <laughs> Cheese. Tedious. <laughs> so we're 
I merely recommended a cheese. I'm leaning on the floor okay. of a half-dead forest. And it could be that forest fires are occurring, that's why we're red. Could be. But they're kind of like very long, high trees that have got no foliage on them whatsoever. But they're not together. There's only there's there's only one layer of tree, so it's like a single yeah a circle around this. Person. Unless the other ones are very small. Yeah. So then trees up into the sky. Fair enough. But then we've got um, a painting of a green bird on a blue background that's quite large, and the same bird's green feathers. But are real, all over not the drawing. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean they, it is a drawing. Well, of the. Dra- <laughs> so. So it's feathers are in the drawing, but the bird is a drawing of a drawing. But how big is this bird? Because its feathers are almost as big as the drawing of itself. Small drawing? Small drawing, big bird. Could be. (laughs) I think the opposite. But loads of green... Anyway, it's a very weird sort of psychedelic cover in a way. And I mean, it... You know how sometimes we have the problem that the covers aren't related in any way to the book. This is... This is too literal. Like, it only only (laughs) makes sense when when you finish the book. And even then, yeah. it's too much. It's very specific. And what's the tagline? Oh, the tagline is, it wasn't a game anymore. It never was. Which is not related to the book, really. Not, not really. Um, okay, I'm going to read you the start. Oh, which is called The End. <gasps> mm. Oh, yeah. So it begins the with problems. The End. Yeah. Sixteen is too young to die, Lissa thought. But then again, these were unusual circumstances. Actually, it would be a relief. She had tried everything she could think of to avoid dying. Now she was hidden in the last place she could find to hide and she knew that it wasn't good enough. The footsteps were getting closer. Bird stirred in her hand and she stroked his head soothingly. She hoped that he would not call out and give away her location. That would only speed the inevitable. Bird, however, relaxed in her hand, cooing softly. She could not unfold her hand or move her head to look at him. She didn't need to. She knew every iridescent green feather on his small body, the head blue on top, shading to grey. So that's the beginning. That's not what the bird looks like on the picture. Well, I know. (laughs) Um, I have to say, it was really weird to read this book um, after having read A Robot Stein, (laughs) because Robot Stein is all surface. Like, none of the characters have any deep thoughts. They have nothing but these fleeting, shallow emotions. They have no inner lives whatsoever. But this book is all inner life. Mm. Like, it's purely, like, inside someone's head the entire book. It's not a point horror book. It's not. It's not horror. No. It's horrible. I don't think it's a bad book, but it's not a point horror. No. It's a good book. Yeah. In fact, it's weirdly written. But um, just before we get into it, what's your policy on calling animals just the name of the animal that they are? So like Rosie would I think be dog. It's quite cute. Yeah. I mean, we we do call Rosie dog more than we call her Rosie. <laughs> like I'll take dog out or oh. what's dog doing? <laughs> do you think dog's hungry? <laughs> we do that. We call her dog more than Rosie. Do you call Annie just wife? No. Okay. Because she's a human. No. Are you saying that Rosie's not a human? Yes, she's a dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I should call her dog. <laughs> I think she's beautiful and deserves respect, but she's a dog. I my boss in Canada had a cat called Kitty. Kitty Macbeth. Oh, which that's is great. Cute. And when they had a son, they wanted to call him Kid, Kid Macbeth. And I thought that's great, but he would have had to have been a cowboy. That is a no. I think a rapper. Oh, Kid Macbeth. A like a hip hop. Mm. But it, maybe he could do like sampling, like one of those like <laughs> sample. You know, hip hop with samples. Trip hop. Is that still a thing? I think all hip hop's got samples. Yeah, but trip hop is a specific thing, right? Yeah. But like do people Potterhead. still do that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he could be Jeff Barrow from Potter's. There you go. I love that. Okay. Yeah. So Bird is called Bird. Or like Bonobo. He could be the next Bonobo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, who was it once called him Bonobo? <laughs> <laughs> Someone that, I know. Probably me. I mispronounce fucking everything. Bonobo. Mm, no, I've Bonobo. Bonobo. It's fantastic. Okay. So Bird is called Bird. And Lissa, I assume it's Melissa, shortened to Lissa. Or it could just be Lissa, right? Lissa's not a name. Yeah. It is, I think. In anyway. your world, everything's a fucking name. Yeah, right. Wardrobe, <laughs> that's a name. Plant. <laughs> Curtain. <laughs> so, as you've read, it starts out with Lissa hiding from someone, thinking she's soon going to die. Um, and she's only really going to miss her bird, called Bird, um, who she is clinging to, but also Josh. But she doesn't want to think about Josh. So, the structure of this book is that everything's told from her perspective here. And then almost everything else is in a flashback. 
right? But like mostly chronological. Catches, yeah. Chronological but then we keep flashbacks. hopping back to this part. And then we kind of catch up at the end. Yeah. Which is a bold choice. A bold choice? A bold choice. No hair at all. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't hate it. It took me a while to be like, I often think, why are you doing this? Yeah, but like, what's the, the point? The yeah. plot does kind of not necessitate. Because it it's not for it. It's not very plotty. Well, there is a lot of plot. It's just all in the flashbacks. Yeah, I guess. So I guess she didn't want us. It would be. It's a lifetime, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So they want us to go over a lifetime. So, um, she, Lissa, remembers being. She, everything's just remembering, which is quite annoying. Um, she remembers being little and being told always to be quiet around the house. Um, and then she thinks about her elf hair. Mm-hmm. This, this hair. Mm-hmm. This, this hair. Um, you, know, you know, this is uh, only audio. So when you point at stuff, this only I can see. My, it's the my <laughs> yeah. hair. I'm pointing mm-hmm, at my mm-hmm. head. Although she's probably not got quite so many grey hairs. Look at it. I know. Ridiculous. Mine's more grey than that even. My brother's turning 40 next year and he's mostly salt now. Almost no pepper. When mine goes fully salt, I'm just going to let it go. I'm going to stop dyeing it. Oh, like I think mom. it looks great. My mom's got great hair. Yeah, she but has. But she's got like really nice like silvery grey. If, if mine goes like that, I'm going to just let it go. Mine still hasn't gone... Sorry, my mum still hasn't <laughs> let hers go. My mum's still dying hers. Oh. I said to her, how great is your hair? And she went, I haven't got a clue. <laughs> oh. See, my dad, um, so he died, he was 58, and he still hadn't gone grey. He still had brown hair. So I was like, I've got a 50-50 chance then. Of, my mum went grey in her 30s, and then my dad was nearly 60 and wasn't grey. Wow. So I was like, could go either way. I think my dad had grey hair by the time I was born. Whoa. So maybe because you were born? I think, yeah, I think it was shortly <laughs> after, actually. <laughs> But it's great because he's looked 70 for about 30 years, so he, he looks, looks like he's same. not aged. <laughs> it's, very, it's genius, Also, really. everybody looked older in the 90s. I look at pictures of my mum in the 90s and I'm like, you look younger now. There's a picture of my mum when I'm little, which is really hilarious because I was a really fat child. And my mum really sk- was really skinny when she was younger, so it just looks like she's holding this like ball. <laughs> But she's also got these mad 80s glasses on, like Deirdre Rashid glasses. Oh, my mum had them, like the big owl eyes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the giant ones. And she's got a fringe and long hair. And I've never known my mum to have hair longer than this, basically. Like, sometimes a little bob. But she's got kind of shoulder-length permed hair. My mum had that as well. And she's got more wrinkles on her face than she's ever had in the entire rest of her it's life. because she had a little butterball baby to look butter- after. A little butterball baby and a little <laughs> seven-year-old boy. Yeah. But... Like, to the extent I was like, how can you have lost those? She'd not got a little butterball baby to look after now, that's why. she was really skinny, which doesn't allow for a lot of... And then if you get a bit more fat in your face, it actually makes you look younger because it, like, stretches out your wrinkles. That's what Susie says, who uh, does our podcast, who still gets ID'd. She looks about 20. I know. I'm not going to say how old she is, but it's much older than that. <laughs> and she says it's because of that, because she's got this like little baby face and she always jokes that if you just put a little bit of weight on it, it pushes the wrinkles out. It really does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, genius. Mm-hmm. Uh, so elf hair, like mine, um, and how Josh used to tease her, but she doesn't want to think about Josh. We're being emotionally manipulated Who's here Josh? quite heavily, mm. aren't we? Who's Josh? One more and I would have stopped caring. Because mm. <laughs> I'm like... Oh, interesting. Oh, I'm not being allowed to know. No, I don't care. No, that's too much now. Yeah. Uh, So she remembers again how one day her mum was braiding her hair and her dad came in and her dad was wildly annoyed by seeing the two women in his life bonding. So he grabbed her braids and cut a handful of them off right near the head. So her excellent haircut like mine is only this short because she had to cut it that short because he'd cut off her braids. I like that the music next door just turned sinister <laughs> when you started talking about that. Yeah. It's pretty horrible, isn't it? It's, yeah. It's pretty brutal, this book. Yeah. I'm, so I'm going to read a little bit. Her father wheeled around, facing them directly for the first time. He stared at Lissa. He could still, she could still remember his eyes. They were so dark, they looked black. And he felt like, she felt like they could burn holes right through her. I'm being quiet, Lissa thought. I'm being very quiet. I hate long hair, her father said. Cut it. He's a dick. He's really fucking horrible. Mm -hmm. And it's a really grim book, (laughs) basically. Yeah, it is. So her dad is... um, I'll tell you when we get there, actually. Mm -hmm. So she also remembers that this girl, Abby, once befriended her and invited herself over to Lissa's house. And I'm going to say that Abby is pretty much the only good character that's not Josh in the book. Um, Josh is Gran. 
when we get to oh, her. Oh, yeah, Josh is grand. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to go through some hard stuff, but we'll get to I a think brilliant it's, we can't be woman. too rough on the mum, because it sounds like she... Well, I want to talk about her when we get to her, actually. Yes. But, so, she, when she's quite little, she makes this friend, Abby, who is, like... I can't imagine a child more like me as a child. I was like, imagining little Mai yeah, from Yeah, which I get called. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can see that. <laughs> so, I'm just going to do Abby's... Um, a bit of Abby's text. Hi, I'm Abby. I can hit you in the face and make you cry. <laughs> so you want me to hit you in the face and make you cry? What did you say? I can't hear you. I think I will anyway. Hi, aren't you going to fight back? What good are you? Hi, you can swing good. How did you get up there so fast? Hi, I think if I jump there now, I get to the edge of the grass over there. Don't you? Don't you? <laughs> <laughs> What's that, Heather? <laughs> <laughs> um, I probably wouldn't go to the beach and then my parents would leave me at home with my grandmother and just take my brother to the beach and I would hate that. So then I'd probably have to go and break my brother so that he couldn't go to the beach either. And then my parents wouldn't be able to leave two broken kids with my grandmother because her nerves aren't that great these days. And then they wouldn't be able to go to the beach either. And they've already paid good money for the hotel and everything. Paid good money. That's what my father always says. Oh, oh uh, God, okay. You... That's the kind of kid that if you were babysitting, you'd be fucking exhausted yep. by the time they left. I mean, I hate to tell you that's all children. But... Um... She's kind of like aggressively befriends the little Lissa and then is basically like, I'm coming to your house for dinner, which I'm pretty, pretty sure cute. I did as well. Pretty cute. <laughs> My mum says I can come to your house for dinner. Let's go, yeah. mum. <laughs> and then eat like five times as much as everyone else. Um, Personal cake. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, she comes over and Abby just doesn't play by anyone else's rules and no one is allowed to go and look in the barn in Lissa's backyard. But Abby does go. And in fact, she makes Alyssa bend over so she can use her as a stepladder. So at this point, really I was thinking, he's either a writer or a serial killer. Because he needs silence all the time and you can't look at what he's doing. Yeah. But it's neither. No. Only the most... Like, the option is to be more obnoxious and more egotistical and they've <laughs> taken it. Um, so yeah, and Abby is like, oh my God. And what they find out is that he is an artist. He's an artiste. Mm, he is an artiste. He is an artiste. Le artiste. Ugh. And he writes, shall I describe you his, um, describe you, that's not. Please describe it. me. I'm gonna describe you his work. It was the picture itself that scared her. It was all big slashes of red and orange and green, but mostly red. It didn't look like the pictures in books or at school. It didn't have flowers or trees or houses or people. It just had paint splashed all over in jagged lines, almost like lightning had fit had hit her father's picture most of all it looked angry mm. so it's in the Tate Modern yeah <laughs> it's the kind Definitely. of art that I was trying to get you to look at that time when you and David were just talking about fucking wrestling the whole time. we were around. looking and I was like appreciate I can multitask no you couldn't yes I can um, so yeah it's kind of like contemporary art I would say it's the kind of art that I would stand in front of and say something profound <laughs> to be obnoxious profound was in quote marks <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I like the idea of her being scared by the art, though. Yeah? What did you think of that? Yeah. I think you would be. Like, I think as a kid, when you realise the sort of depth of emotion that your parents are experiencing that you don't understand, mm. I think that is quite frightening. Yeah, I still remember uh, my, the first time I saw my mum cry, which mm. is, I think, when I was quite little and she was trying to get a, a job, um, and I think she didn't get one, and... Or like obviously we need the money. Yeah. I can remember where I was oh, standing brutal. in the kitchen as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, sad. Sad stuff. There's not seeing your mum cry, I think, is the absolute worst feeling in the entire world. I think seeing your dad cry is a little bit worse. Oof, yeah. I've still not really seen my dad cry. I've only like I think only maybe twice did I ever see my dad cry and it was rough. Ooh, horrible times. Mm-hmm. Um so she remembers again that they once got some great news that he was going to be represented by a gallery in New York, um, which you'd think would be a good thing. Oh, yeah, I wanted to read this bit, because, like, as a creative person, did you feel a bit seen by this? <laughs> Is this what you were doing on page 38? No, go on. Um, okay, so here we go. Um, he has two paintings that he needs to finish in time to ship them to New York next week, so he'll practically have to work around the clock, but it's worth it, Lissa. This will make all the difference in the world. Will it make him happy, Lissa asked. Maybe he would laugh again. Maybe he'd even spend time with her. Her mother gave her a funny look, part happy and part sad, all mixed together. Yes, Lissa, I hope it will make him happy. 
Oh. And I was like, oh. Spoilers, it won't. It won't. And I was just like, oh, I feel so seen that it's like, I really need to do this work. It's really, really important. And then if someone was like, will the work make you happy? And you're like, hmm. <laughs> of course well, it will won't. It? I don't know if that's the purpose of it. No. But I thought, oh, that's, I feel seen by that. Yeah, that's horrible. Mm-hmm. So accurate. I know. <laughs> Any person is like, ouch. A thing I think of all the time is, um, I can't remember who, which female writer said it, but she said, do I like writing? I don't know if I like writing, but I like having written. Same. Mm, that's how I feel. I like coming up with ideas and planning things, and I love having written. Mm. The middle part, which makes up the bulk of your working life, that's the hard part. But then the kicker there is that you almost immediately hate the thing that you produce oh, yeah. as well. Yeah, for sure. Is that not normal? <laughs> I think it is normal, Okay, cool, cool. Um, so yeah, you would think, here is the point at which you realise that this is really an abusive home environment because the one thing that her dad supposedly wants, I mean, you realise it from the treatment before this as well, but... But when you sort of realise, like, he will never, this will never not be the case. Yeah, it's not... Like, it's not going to get better. It's not because he was working really hard to get a goal, this is just who he is. So he doesn't want to take her to New York with them. They, he wants them to just leave her at home. Well, I have an alternate reading about this, but it, it actually oh. didn't come... I thought it was sort of laying the groundwork for a different ending, but it's not. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so the she does go with them when they go to New York to take his artwork, and then he just screams at them the whole way, which is pretty sad. Yeah, he's awful. Um, and yeah, the worst thing, the worst thing about this is that she starts being really interested in drawing... And he doesn't encourage her at all. And mm. then he just throws her fucking work in the bin and says that he spent years learning how to draw. Like, that's so shit, isn't it? What a dick. What a dick. Her father picked it up. He studied her careful, tiny drawing and then snorted, what's this trite garbage? Someone's been reading too much of that fantasy crap. Ugh. Can you imagine saying that to a child? I wonder I mean, if... children draw some right shit. Yeah, but you got to be like, wow. Yeah. That's great. I feel like the author's channeling some terrible thing that happened in her childhood that her writing was not encouraged yeah maybe i mean i would hate to think this had been her childhood i mean hopefully it wasn't that bad yeah but i feel but like it a does lot, happen to some people. i know a lot of writers actually who had the experience when they were younger of their parents not taking their work seriously or not taking their writing seriously or being like well that's not really a proper job in fact and um i was lucky my parents were supportive but my careers counselor at school when they said, what do you want to do? And I said, I would like to be a writer. And they were like, they basically said, well, that's not going to happen, is it? So let's think of something else. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah, I was like, I, sometimes I feel like calling them up and being like, guess what I do now. <laughs> I think sometimes they do that on purpose with the children that they know will only be driven by spite. So almost everything I do <laughs> is to like tell someone, Fuck you, you told me I couldn't and I did. And I don't realise that's why I'm doing it until I've done it and then feel like saying that. So See, I they'd... don't feel like that. I what? feel like I'm easily discouraged. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I don't but... know if... No one told me I couldn't be a writer, so maybe that's the problem. Maybe. maybe <laughs> see, I feel like... You know a lot of you see people in, like, X Factor or whatever, you, and they say, everyone told me I should quit. Everyone told me I was no good, but I still believe in myself. And I'm like, see if I... When I was trying to be a writer, if even one person had sat me down and said, listen, you really should give up. <laughs> like... I probably would have, because that's brutal. That is. That's really brutal. I had a situation, I won't say who it is, was with, with an older member of my extended family a couple of years ago. And this person was like, um, so what's new? How's it going? And I was like, oh, I've just had a story published in quite a like big literary magazine. And they went, oh, that's so lovely. If only you could put that on your CV. What? And I was like, what is it that you think what I do? What do you think goes on the CV? It is on my CV. What do you think? What, what do you, do you think, think, I think? Do what? <laughs> it was the weirdest thing, <laughs> the weirdest anti-flex. Ever. Yeah. Like okay. It was like a little thumb press on top of your head, like <laughs> pushing you down. <laughs> What's that about? Yeah, I think my dad didn't really think that kind of like studying English lit and philosophy was going to result in a viable career. I mean, fair. So point. I just I just made a point of telling him what I earned like a couple of years ago, which was basically like. A decent income like a like a normal full-time income um from being a freelancer and then you kind of shut up after that but mm-hmm. still like the other day i had a friend ask me she was like how is it that you make money 
Do you know what's funny? Being a writer seems to be the one job that people don't mind asking you how much you earn. Like, I suppose I don't tell taxi drivers that I'm a writer anymore. If they ask what I do, I just make something up. Right. Because there's, there's two different responses. Well, there's three. Number one, have you written anything I would have heard of? Like, no, probably not. <laughs> Number two is, I would like to write a book, but I haven't got time. Right. And number three is... You should help me with this book I want to oh, write. Oh, I haven't That's had that, actually. One. And the other one is basically, like, how much do you earn? But they normally phrase it as, like, oh, do you make a living at that? for yourself. Yeah. And what they're basically saying is, how much money do you make? And I'm like, no other job would you think it was okay <laughs> to ask someone how much money they earn? But, like, somehow, if you're a writer, people don't mind. See, I get a different one because um, I will, like, tell people that I have ghostwritten books, right? Which is true. So, but, so I either get people asking me how I earn money because obviously they don't know what books I've written or like, do you know what I mean? They don't really mm -hmm. know how it works. Or then if you tell people you've ghostwritten a book, they go, you know what? I've always wanted to write a book about my grandma's family history. Uh, maybe I could send you over a bunch of like weird transcripts from my extended family and then you can kind of put it all together and we can do it that way. And I'm always like, mm, how much will you pay me? God, I did do that yeah. once for a friend's family. Did they pay you? They did, but I mean, okay. like a very small amount. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's the worst one. People trying to get you to work on their shit idea with them. You're like, look, I haven't got time to work on my ideas that I think are quite good. I know, it's when people say that you're going to steal their ideas and you're like, I promise. I don't even, I don't have time to write my own ideas. If no. I wrote every day for the rest of my life, I still would have not written all the ideas that I currently have. I also wouldn't... And like, new ones come every day. I also wouldn't be able to write someone else's idea. I no. can't even write to a... Um, like a prompt. No. Because I hate it. I'm like, well, I'm not, that isn't, these weren't my ideas. I'm not interested in this. Anyway. Same, same. Anyway. Getting back to our actual book. Um, so her dad's a kind of famous artist, but yeah. he's a prick. I mean, I'm going to say a lot of famous male artists are probably pricks. Yep. Um, so she is not encouraged by him and her mom doesn't really have any kind of career to speak of. And then, oh, this is really sad. One time a reporter comes over to their house and is allowed into the sacred barn that his family aren't fucking allowed in. Which, you know, does that mean Zanus? I don't know. Oh, Heather. Just saying. And then the No, it doesn't. <laughs> and then the reporter went on and on to her mum about her, how her dad was so attractive and charming and how her mum was living in the shadow of genius. Yeah, it's gross. Like, fucking hell. And all this while her mum tried not to cry and then later on her dad screamed at her mum because she dropped some food. Like, God. This book is really upsetting. It was really sad. And then the dad is really nice to this other kid who wants to be encouraged to do art because his mom, she, they've got like this dickhead rich mom friend who's like, no, I'm just going to bring my genius daughter over to go near the artist and I'll just push him nearer. But then he is nice to Yeah, because Liz is like, oh no, he's going to yell at her just like he yelled at me and then he doesn't. No, which is somehow worse. It's horrible because it shows that he knows the difference like, he can control himself, mm. and he knows how he should appear publicly. Yeah. But he just chooses not to be that way yeah. in reality. I find that about people who kind of, like, bully people beneath them as mm. well. And it's the idea that, like, they're just too emotional, or, but they're never... They can control themselves when they're talking to people who are above them. So it's just complete bullshit, actually. Um, oh, yeah, shiver. They say that about, like, guys who smash stuff so they're like oh he doesn't hit me but if he like breaks your belongings mm. and I heard this thing that was like what does he break does he break only your things or does he break his own things yeah. you know if you're if he's in a room with your belongings and his and he loses control like does he smash his own stuff or only your stuff yeah because that's not really losing control nope not that it would be okay if you had lost control because you got to learn to deal with your shit. When I was a very angry, and I realise now, hormone-ridden teenager, and I used to get into rages and like smash up my own, but it would be my own shit. That, okay. was, a, that was the worst thing. No one would replace anything that I broke from me. My plus, I <laughs> so only from, you suffered, really. <laughs> I did not come from that kind of family. They would be like, well, you're in the shit there, aren't you? You've just broken all your stuff. <laughs> Fuck you. No more stuff for you. <laughs> yeah, but that was because I was legitimately out of control as a teenager. It's hard being a teenager. Especially when you're having like a really bad reaction to your own period. Uh -huh. And you can't really do anything about it. And I then, wouldn't go back for anything. And then 20 years later, you'll realise that you have not been a giant bitch this entire time. Well, maybe you have Maybe as well. you have also. But it's a combination of things. Yeah. <laughs> it's a combination of like, probably too much sugar, probably your period. Angst. But probably a lot of stuff. Yeah. 
Yep. But then you'll realise that if you get the correct hormonal medication, you won't be that kind of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and you will not smash things. See, I was on the pill for so long, and when I came off it, I was like, how many of my decisions over the last six oh years God, yeah. have been because of this pill? Yeah. It was really worrying. Anyway. <laughs> Just when I got my new... Um, hormonal implant in I said David it's three years worth of hormones all in one and I don't really think it affects me but I'm just giving you a heads up that maybe <laughs> over the next couple of weeks I might not be I'm gonna say it did affect you <laughs> myself but then David's such an angel I would be like crying and I'm like don't think this is just because of that and he went it's never just because of that darling oh well. he's so good and you know that's not just a male female thing because if I'm in a fucked up mood and I'm like, honey, I just don't know what's wrong with me. And she's like, I'm not saying it's just your period, <laughs> but is it due? And I'm like, yeah, but it's not just that. And she's like, no, I know it's not just that. And then the next day I'm like, it was just that. <laughs> we but thank it, you for not saying it was just that. <laughs> we have it the opposite way around where David can get really anxious or upset. And I'm like, no, I'm not saying it. It's maybe because you've not had enough food today. <laughs> But is it because you might be a bit hungry? And then he goes, or you could even be like, it's probably not because you're hungry, but let's try eating something. I'm just going to make I'm and just gonna just a sandwich see. here and we'll see how you feel in 15 minutes. Yeah. And it's always, he's like, yeah, I just need a sandwich. <laughs> That's how it should go. Do you need a sandwich? Is it your period? Okay, now let's move on. <laughs> so here's the story of the worst relationship in the world. Um, Lissa found out from her mum that her dad was her mum's tutor for an art class she was taking in college while she was studying maths, I think. Um, and basically, he just negged her massively. Yeah, I was going to read this bit. Um, were you going to read this page 80? Yeah, I was going to do uh, on 86. Okay. Um, it's pages of horribleness, so you could do it for the whole thing. The whole thing's horrible. Um, so here we go. This is her describing... Uh, so... You should have seen his apartment when he was teaching. The first time I went there, I almost died. There were clothes and painting supplies and dirty dishes and unopened mail thrown everywhere. He had no food, at least not any that wasn't growing mould. He couldn't find anything, not even his telephone. So you cleaned it all up, Lissa said, starting to envision her mother, young and awed by the crazy artist. How did you know, her mother said with a smile. Before either of us realised it, I was shopping for his food, keeping his apartment in order, eventually even coding in his grade sheets and making sure he met the college's deadlines. So they're not even dating. No. She says that to her, like, you're not even dating. Yeah. And then she's like, well... So she says, well, so you took care of him. She says, I didn't feel like that, though, her mother said a little defensively. It was fun. <sighs> And then they end up married somehow. Yeah. And she does say, it's what, grim. so then you ended up married with a kid. And her mum's like, yes, I ended up married with a kid. Um, it's just so sad. It's so You can see how she kind of fell into this thing that she thought she couldn't do anything or she couldn't be the genius. She had to, like, wash the socks of genius. Yeah. Ugh. And he, like, she's like, I don't think he'd ever been interested in anyone as ordinary as me. And Lissa says, why do you feel that way? And this is just so sad. Because that was the truth, her mother said. I got good grades, but I wasn't exceptionally brilliant or talented. Not everyone has to be exceptionally brilliant or talented. Mm -hmm. Like, you can just be good at things that you enjoy. Or you can just do things well. Like, you don't, not everyone has to be aiming for some sort of level of greatness. They can just be aiming for happiness. And who's to say what's an exceptional talent anyway? I mean, how many times have people not been appreciated in their lifetime and then it turns out exactly. that they're appreciated after? Or vice versa. They're massively successful in their life and then <clears throat> five years later nobody's reads or looks at their stuff at all. Or maybe the things that people are really good at are just the things that keep society going. That's important And they don't too. ever get renowned, you know? If you're, like, super good at raising your kids, like... That's important, because well, a lot of people are really shit at raising their kids, so if you can do it well, that's a really good service that you can do to the entire world. Or you're like a brilliant electrician. Yeah. Or a really good painter decorator, you know what I mean? Or you're a great nurse, or you're a really good teacher. Or like a really good friend yeah. to your friends, like that's so important. I love that you're going with the nice stuff and I'm going very practical. <laughs> <laughs> All of it's fucking important, is what I'm saying. Um, but I feel like the reason that we're saying that what she's doing is different is that it's not appreciated yeah so what she's doing it would be important if it was being appreciated and it was like they were a team mm -hmm. together but it's not like that it's not and they're very much not a team um i got by on a lot of hard work 
I was on the shy side and I kept to myself a lot of the time. If I did make myself go to a party, I was most likely the one who sat in the corner all night watching everybody else. Your father, on the other hand, was already building a reputation as an artist. Everyone knew it would just be a matter of time before he left teaching to paint full time. And talk about attractive. Half the girls who went running away from him in tears, red flag, Mm -hmm. were in love with him. He was so critical to them that if he ever said anything even halfway nice, they all thought they'd won some huge prize. All he had to do was walk in a room and all eyes were on him. You may not realise it, Lissa, but your father is a very charismatic man. That's not charisma, that's negging. Mm-hmm. That's abuse. He sounds Being awful. so critical She of sounds like adorbs. Yeah, she sounds lovely and sweet and very much beaten down, which she is. And he sounds like a dick. Oh, God. Wash your own fucking socks. Then our relationship changed. We never actually dated, but we got to spend began to spend a lot of time together and by the end of my senior year it somehow had become agreed upon us that we would get married. I mean he was obviously like, aha, a doormat. Just what I need to wipe my feet on. Yeah, and this is like, I feel like this bit here is how every artist, every male artist, writer, painter, actor, whatever, in history has fucking got by. An art monster. Yes. Yes, Lissa, this became my life. You have to understand, I don't feel like I have any significant talent to contribute to the world. What gives me satisfaction is knowing that I am making it easier for someone who does have a great talent to lead a productive life. He has the talent to create the masterpieces. I am capable of taking all care of all of the everyday details that allow him to work. That reminds me of that thing about that guy who wrote... Um, Oh, is it Walden? The book about like... Oh, and, yeah. And he, he was like, oh, well, I was getting in touch with nature and he lived on his fucking mother's land and she didn't she like cook all his meals and bring him all of his fucking washing absolutely get fucked oh god i hate it so much i really hate it it just makes me so upset and she could be brilliant or she just could be happy yeah she just isn't like it's like those um you know the trad wife thing that's happening right now do i want to know about that oh my god do i need to know is this gonna make me sad it's like a movement of women who are just like have almost gone back to like the 1950s conception of what a woman should be so they don't work they stay at home in the woman that i saw on the video there were loads of um union jack pillows and like live laugh love signs on the wall (laughs) and they just spend their days they get a an allowance from their husband they don't have their own money they dress in a kind of stereotypical 50s kind of housewife kind of way and they keep talking about traditional values which usually comes bound up with a load of horrible shit um and then they you know they see it as their duty to make dinner for their partner when he gets home and meet him at the door and take his shoes off and put slippers on his feet and someone on twitter was like is this a fetish because if it's a fetish i can kind of be okay with it yeah but the thing is like the women were saying well you know this is my choice as, as a feminist i'm a feminist and that's true if that is your choice, completely, that is, no one can criticise that. However, it isn't, it doesn't seem to be like they think it's really their choice. They think that's what everyone should really be doing. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I just can't imagine anything fucking worse. Also, from the guy's perspective, I don't really see the appeal of that. Like, see if I got home and Annie was, like, at the door waiting for me and be like, here's your slipper. Like, it might be fun, like, the first time around. But after that, I would be like, can we, can we not? Because, like, why don't you want a partner that's your equal? Why don't you want a partner that has goals for themselves? Yeah, right? Or, like... That's what you want. Like, you want someone who's driven and you, like... I mean, I guess... I don't know if we're different because we're, like, both women. But I feel like we're both the wife. Mm. But we're both the husband if you're going to get really traditional. Like, we both have goals and ambitions. But we also both look after each other and do housework. And, mm. you know? I, mean, I just don't see the appeal. Like... From the female, in this example, from the female perspective or the male perspective, like, I don't want a doormat wife. No. It's so unattractive. It's my nightmare to have dinner cooked for me every night. I am about to go <laughs> on a residency for a month where I will have all my meals cooked for me and I don't know how I'm going to cope. Like, I really don't. Um, I fucking hate housework and shit. And, like, we've got to a point where David will do it and he realises he wasn't doing enough before. And sometimes I want to lay in bed and go, oh, I didn't take the washing out and he just goes and do it does it that's fine but if he had nothing if he was doing nothing of his own if he had no interests and his whole life was just around making the house i mean now i'm saying it, it does actually sound quite good no but you, <laughs> you would need to have some monstrous ego because the thought of that makes me well <laughs> cringe because if it's if annie was like i've decided to make my whole life about you i would be like 
fucking pressure. Yeah. I'm not that special. I'm not that exciting. Like, you're going to get bored if you make your whole life about me. Yeah. You've got to have some big ego to accept yeah, that. True. I could just get really bored. What do you talk to them about if they're not doing me. anything themselves? Let's talk about me. Oh, God. I don't know, honestly. Uh, yeah. No, thank you. Anyway, that's really bad. I mean, we record ourselves talking for like hours every week. Yeah, so. but we don't listen to it. <laughs> I'm, I'm sick of talking about myself. <laughs> so... Let's turn to a slightly more positive thing. All the way through the book is Lissa getting courted, to use my grandma's phrase. Ooh, um, by it does feel like courting. It is, it's like yeah. something very wholesome about it. Yeah. I think it said wholesome then. Like wholesome. Wholesome. Maybe when she's older wholesome. it can be wholesome. Um, so Josh, who is a bit pushy but is actually really nice to her, it really fancies her and is kind of trying to break through this really shit thing she's got where she can't accept a nice treatment. Because normally if a guy was like that in a book, I'd be like, don't do that. It's a bit cloying. But she kind of needs it. She yeah. kind of needs someone who will be like, not like aggressively pushy, but sort of push past her boundary a little bit because she's got such a high barrier. Yeah. Not that we're advocating pushing boundaries, but she's pushing him. She's She can't accept any good mm-hmm. treatment is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, like mm-hmm. she... He's, he's just... sort of similar to like the friend that she had when she was a kid who was like hey let's be friends i'm coming to your house yeah um except he's more like let me just buy you flowers and say thank you and all these kind of things um and he sort of apologizes like he sort of makes a big fuss of her in front of everyone in class and she's quite embarrassed and he sort of later does say like i didn't actually mean to embarrass you and i'm sorry that i embarrassed you he gets a pass yeah we like him he's allowed um to exist. He's allowed to be a straight man in this <laughs> When world. we throw all the straight men in the sea, we'll keep them. he can stay back. He can be on the life raft. Yeah, the, where we put all the straight men. Yep. Just, just, behind say, just saving a few. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then back to the horrible memories. Lissa remembers that one time her dad got mad and basically threw her down the stairs, breaking her leg. Uh, and then her mom begged her not to tell the hospital that it was her dad. So this is really obvious. It is a really obvious abuse situation, and her mum can't see that this is not normal or okay because obviously she's just been beaten down from the fucking minute she met this wanker. Um, so then it's Lissa's sixteenth birthday, and she goes shopping with her mum, who tells her she can get anything she wants. So she wants a puppy. Not allowed to get a puppy because they're Too dad. noisy. Wants to get a kitten. Not allowed to get a kitten because they're their dad. But she gets a little green parakeet called Bird, which she also is made to understand we'll go straight back to the shop if her dad doesn't like it oh sad so throw the dad away get 50 birds <laughs> in the shape of a man yep and then he can do the, they can do the painting put the birds in all of his clothes yeah it'd be beautiful it would be beautiful um and so the the explanation for all of this is that her dad is the way he is because he grew up working class and his parents sort of accused him of being gay for being into art. Do you get that? Mm. Pick up on that. Well, I feel like the explanation was the PTSD thing. Yeah. But I wonder if he is a closeted gay man. Oh. Because they're not really dating. Mm. You know? Um, it doesn't seem like they have much of a sex life. I mean, he doesn't seem much of anything. No. But, you know, so they accuse him of being gay because of being into art, which is a thing that did happen. Um, and then he ended up in the army and went to Vietnam. So mm. there we are. Again, real issues in a point. It's not a point horror book. It's not. It's not a point horror book. Um, it's just a book. It's just a regular yes, just teenage book about teenage issues. A weirdly good book. Yeah. Um, so then again, back to the memory, she remembers that her dad stormed out of his barn just after she got bird. And then he saw that she had this green bird and he tried to kill the bird. And then he tried to kill her by like strangling her which is why we gave a content warning at the beginning of this because that's fucking rough i mean the whole thing's rough yeah. but um and then her mum finds her on the fetal position on the lawn hours later and then takes her away immediately and then gets her gets them an apartment of their own so that they can live together but she keeps going back mm. and the mum keeps going back to the dad obviously an abusive although she knows enough not to tell the dad where the apartment is which is really heartbreaking to be it honest is. because then she knows but she just can't get out of it mm-hmm. herself because she's got no sense of value in herself. Like, oh, it's really sad. Just sad. Um, but anyway, the good part of that is that Alyssa transferred school and that's where she met Josh. So now that we're back in, like, the de- the present the day. now, yeah. Fucking eventually. It was, like, yeah. 90% of the way in. Um, 
So one day at school she gets a note that she knows is from her dad and she realises that he now knows her address from seeing it on a school computer. Just sad and a bad, mm, bad. That is um, bad. What's it called? GP? GD? GDPR. GDPR. I think there's another word that Annie's mentioned because she's a teacher that's to do with like child protection that mm. you're supposed to, they're only supposed to go with home with a specific named person. Like yeah. you need to say in advance who they're going to go home with and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, he did just look over the desk. And I know, but they should have made it so he couldn't do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Maybe he had some of those mirrored spy glasses. Oh, from maybe. The, <laughs> yeah. From the insert, the Point Horror this insert. That's why they shouldn't be allowed. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, she runs. She gets Josh to take her home, but finds her mum is gone. And there's a threatening note from her dad. And then Josh is supposed to leave her there, but he's a good man. So he's like, oh, I'm just going to check. She's all mm. right. Um, she runs and hides from the threatening voice that she hears, which turns out to be Bird, <laughs> having mm-hmm. learned to speak. But her dad is in the woods around their house with a gun. Mm. A gun! Ooh. And then That Josh, is an, es- an escalation. It really is, yeah. But Josh finds her, because he's a good man, and, and recognises the signs, um, and gets her to safety. And let me tell you about where safety is, because it's fucking good. Okay, I'm Oh ready. my god. So Josh lives with his grandma... And all the way through this book, he's been I trying want to, to live there. He loves his grandma so much, and, and he can bake. She taught him to bake. She taught him to bake, <sighs> and he's like, "Don't be so sexist and thinking I didn't make this cake because mm-hmm. I did. Because my <laughs> great grandmother taught me." Which is like, my mom is teaching my nephews to bake. That's cute. So they go and have like so cute. little baking parties, and they make bread and cake and all these kind of things. Um, they're going to be good lads. Mm-hmm. Any any seven or 11 year olds listening <laughs> tell you in 10 to 20 years yep. you'll be fine um, so her mum is brought home by the also, police also you shouldn't be listening to this if you're 7 ah uh, well maybe they're just like we say the word cunt far too much for it, <laughs> to, be child, <laughs> for it to be child appropriate <laughs> um, so her mum's brought home by the police and she vows to stand by Alyssa now she's she knows it's gone too far which I would say a bit too late but it went too happens. far a long time ago but, but that's what happens yeah um, so the overarching story is that her dad has PTSD from a time in Vietnam when he shot an innocent girl because he thought she had a gun, which just turned out to be a rolled-up drawing of the green bird. Which is rough. Cool. Um, but he gets caught and gets help. And yeah. Lissa's mum agrees to let Lissa stay with Josh's gran, who I'm just going to describe right here. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Is it what she says? I love this. Which bit? Now I have a granddaughter. Oh, yeah. It's so, is that the bit you're doing? Um, it's so cute. It wasn't going to be. Do you have that? Yeah, that. so so um, Josh's gran says, um, Now I have a granddaughter. This is now the women's domain. Men can only visit when we let them. Mm. Oh, oh, yeah, so she even I kicks... I want to live there. She kicks Josh yeah. out for Lissa. I love that. And then this is what they do. Lissa and gran baked bread and raked leaves and sometimes late at night talked about the really hard stuff. Tiny bit by tiny bit, Lissa felt some of the fear and anger and sorrow leave until she could once again laugh at Bird and talk about her father without crying. Josh, with infinite patience, kept trying to cheer her up. He took her for walks, drove her to school, bought her chocolate chip ice cream and even convinced her one brisk evening heading into into winter to go to the movies with him. I feel like he really gets it because this was the um, the bit that I really liked with him where he says, I'll never do anything to let you down. Day after day, I'll be honest with you, and I'll never intentionally hurt you. After about 7,008 days of this, you'll begin to realise that this is something you can count on, that I'm someone you can count on. And I'm like, he gets it, that he's not pushing her, he's not being like, why are you still being weird about the fact that you've grown up with a father who abused you every single day? Like, he really gets it. I think it's really sweet. It's just such a good ending because she's obviously got a lot of shit with her mum and Mm -hmm. then her mum needs room to, like, work on herself. So this is perfect. Is this the only point horror that's got a psychologically healthy ending? (laughs) It has, actually. I think it might be. And, like, they're not dating, really. Yeah. And that's kind of not the point of it. He might even just turn into, like, a brother figure to her. Um, It's not really pushed either way. Like, you know how... Like, this is what kind of old woman I want to be. Like, yes. as someone who doesn't want to have children, I love the idea that as I get older, I will be able to be a person that, like, creates a safe space for people who might need it, who like, aren't my immediate... Like a mother to many. Yeah. <laughs> David always says, 
all the worlds are children, Helen. Oh, that's <laughs> true, though. Loser. There are a lot of ways to be a parent. And it takes a community to raise a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, being a freelancer is really good because you can just go over when your friends have had babies and be like, I will hold your child for half an hour. You can have a shower or whatever. I did that when my friend had just had a kid. Like, she, she wanted some cereal, so I came over with some cereal. <laughs> and then she was kind of saying, like, oh, I could go and, you know, do the dishes. And I was like just go upstairs like go upstairs and then literally the baby just sat on my lap for like a couple of hours and she just had a nap and it was great I just sat and read a book and like the baby slept and my friend slept and it's so nice it was great yeah um I feel really lucky to be in that position my friend Danielle when I lived in Panama she got really bad food poisoning when she was like eight months pregnant mm. um and her husband had to like couldn't stay at home that day so I just went over and laid in bed with her all day and then we watched Sex in the City and when she <laughs> would sleep sometimes I would do some work and then when she had Jackson which all his Panamanian family pronounces Yaxon. <laughs> Yaxon. Um, I would just, yeah, go over and be like, mm-hmm. I've brought you some lunch. Go and have a shower. Yeah, I'll just nice. hold him. He's really yeah. cute. Mm-hmm. By the time he shits his pants, you can have him back. Yeah. And even if he wasn't cute, I'd still hold him. <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was gorgeous. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can be, you can, you can be a parent. Yeah, You can be sure. a, a community parent. So I've got, it's not really an alternate reading, but it's like, <laughs> Here's where I thought it was going. I guess I was primed to be like, this is a point horror. I mean, it's not really a point horror, but I was still being like, it's a point horror, so this has to happen. Um, which is that, okay, so as you mentioned, Lissa's dad doesn't ever really acknowledge her or speak to her. Um, he doesn't want her to go to New York with him. He doesn't interview for the paper and doesn't even mention her. And then he sort of, accidentally-ish makes her break her leg and then he grabs her and says you're already dead and that made me think is the twist that she is dead Mm. that like she died as a small child or like as a baby yeah and this is what has driven him mad well that wouldn't really explain her mum interacting with her or her interacting with josh no it wouldn't (laughs) it wouldn't explain the josh part but it would explain how her father treats her yeah like if she died as a child and it was like really i mean even maybe the mother was dead as well like maybe the mother and the daughter were ghosts oh my god it's the sixth sense yeah and that is why the father is like this because he's like haunted Mm. by the death of his family where he is actually haunted by the death of that kid yeah he's begun to confuse her and you know mm-hmm. this could be a critique of Americans' involvement in Vietnam. But it I don't could think it, be. I don't think it really was. Well, the idea that like American soldiers used to go over and accidentally shoot little Vietnamese kids. I know. I, think is a bit of a I reach, feel like but... Jane McFan is more insightful than the average point horror writer. I think. Like, I think there's a lot more psychological depth here than we're used to. Just generally in our friendship as well. <laughs> um, I was just going to read up about her, but I don't think there's a biography in here. No. Oh my god, maybe she's not real. No, I think so, because we've done a Jane McFan before. I'm just going to really quickly look Can I just tell you my... The, can I just read the ending while you look that up? Yeah. Oh, she's um, done loads. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, I'll never do anything to let you down. Day after day, I'll be honest with you, and I'll never intentionally hurt you. Did you already say this? Yes. Okay. But here's the right, the last bit, the last um, line. He reached over and took Lissa's hand in his, twining his fingers with hers. Lissa didn't pull her hand away. Mm. It's like he's not expecting anything of her other than to just learn to accept love. You know what I mean? God, that's the most earnest thing I've ever said on this podcast. I know, it's cute though. Mm. So there's not much about Jane McFan here, but she has done actually quite a lot of books. Um, And she's got some great titles. And I like to think that these are both, these both describe some sort of a crime-solving duo because we have Wonder Girl and Fact Boy (laughs) and another one called Death Trap and Dinosaur. Oh my word. I like to think they're solving crimes. Death Trap and Dinosaur. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it that? doesn't say much about Jane McFan, but she has written a few books. What was that kids' show called? It was like Cat Flap or. Sharky and George. No. Cat Flap? No, it's not Sharky and George, <laughs> which had one of the best theme tunes of Sharky all time. Sharky and George. Crimebusters of the Sea. I think about that theme tune at least once a week. Yeah, it's so mm-hmm. good. Um, was it called Trapdoor? Trapdoor and something, or... Don't trap... you open that trapdoor. Was that it? Was there something down there? That one? I don't know. I think what the problem I is here, I've, you... I've remembered some words and nothing else. <laughs> is it Harry Connick Jr.? Oh my God, let's <laughs> not fucking get started. Um, so we don't really have... Oh, wait, Harry's favourite line. 
Yeah, because this book doesn't, it doesn't do really any of the typical point horror stuff. It's not really a point horror. This, and again, my Harry's favourite line isn't a funny favourite line. It's just kind of like really horrible and poignant. <clears throat> this is about a third of the way through the book. She was one of the lucky ones. She had two parents, a nice house, plenty of food and clothes and lots of books to read. Lissa was one of the lucky ones. Wasn't she? Mm. Uh, like, you can have everything and still not be okay. Well, also that... Does that not come off the back of a really sad bit where she feels sorry for this other girl at school because she comes in with bruises on her? Yeah. And so she kind of is like, well, it could be worse. I guess it's not that bad. And you're like, I fuck. Well, I'm, I, I must be okay because my dad doesn't hit me. Yeah. Is basically the implication. It's very good. I like Jane McFadden. I know. She's done this really well. She's smart. Probably a bit too well for like a teenager's book, really. Mm-hmm. Well, no, teenagers need to have smart True. books. True. need to have important books. It's too smart for point horror. Yeah, for sure. Because yeah. this is not why we come to point horror. <laughs> but it was pretty good. It was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, what were you going to say? Nothing. Oh, okay. So we don't <laughs> Was really I have... meant to say something? <laughs> oh, the other thing I was going to say is... Uh, oh, you did have something to say. Oh, I see. Yeah, but it's not that interesting, really. It was just that um, at one point, Lissa reads a John Irving novel. And I think that is the first mention of an author in point horror that's not Stephen King. Oh, I think you're right. Mm. Hmm. Anyway. Interesting. Um, so we don't really have any fashion or 90s things because it's kind of timeless. Yeah. Um, and then we don't have any of the usual tropes like, she's not stupid, she's, she doesn't fall in love with the sociopath boy. And, no. Mm-hmm. There's not really a death toll. No. From, you know, in Vietnam. Yeah. Um, there's no queer subtext, although maybe her dad. Maybe. Is a very repressed, closeted, troubled gay man. But I think that's a bit of a reach. Um, yeah, is it good? I think it's a good it's a good book. I yeah. don't think it's a good point horror. It's a good book though. It is a good book. It's a to be honest with you, it was a really weird choice to make it point horror. Yeah. Could they have not just put it under point? You would Could think. they not have just published the book? Because <laughs> I mean it's scary in a different way. Like usually the point horrors are like scary in a fun way, like the way that like a slasher film is fun. Yeah. Whereas this was scary like in an unpleasant way. It was scary in a way that like shit, there are people living lives like this right now. Yeah, and like, usually when people are like, oh, I'm going to die today, they're not. No, it's they're not. It's a ghost or someone's, but she, some, her like dad is trying to kill her. like someone's running after them with a tin opener or something. Yeah, and that just makes it, it was just really sad. Mm-hmm. It's the saddest book I've read in a fucking long time, to be honest with you. And yeah. It made me feel not good. The thought that, like, your parent, I'm not saying that my, either of my parents were perfect, but they always loved me and never would have hurt me in any way and the thought that like you could actually be afraid of your parent mm. is horrifying to me yeah my parents have never tried to actively kill me <laughs> um, passively hmm. yeah and you know fair play mm. um, <laughs> so what would you give it i'd give it a, probably a four yeah a four yeah because um, it was it's a good book but it didn't sort of give me the the point horariness that I like. I think it's been the most enjoyable one this season for me. It's the most. It's the one that feels most like a, a book. proper book. Yeah. <laughs> a book I might want to read. Rather than like something that someone printed off Wattpad. <laughs> and like, but you've got to give it a one for good bad. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not, not good, good bad. bad. No, it's just good. Yeah. <laughs> We've really invented a weird system here. I know. I know what we're doing. Um, um, okay, next week. Oh, well. Well, well, well. Next week we're doing an unleashed. And you know what? Fuck it. We've been too sober lately. Next week, let's have some wine. <laughs> yes, please. Oh, you so never ask. It's going to be a boozy one next week. Yeah. We and we're doing... gear up for that shit. So we're doing House of Bones. Which is an unleashed. Which is very confusing to me because I have a friend called Stephanie Bonus and her photography studio is called House of Bonus. Oh. So I couldn't read this without thinking House of Steph, mm-hmm. um, who's a great photographer and has a very beautiful little ginger kid called Lennox. Oh, yeah. what a cute name. Um, and the tagline is Home Sweet Home. <gasps> Which is relevant. Oh, I'm really excited, That's actually. Good. Okay. Okay. Are you excited to read this one? Yes, Okay. I am. Plus wine. Yes. Yeah. The best bit. And what can people do if they're desperate to get us between now and next week? I mean, whatever they want, really. <laughs> you do you, boo. <laughs> but if you want, you can find us on Twitter at Teenage Scream underscore or on Instagram at Teenage Scream Pod. And you know by now that we operate on a scheme of just being cool. So if you don't want to... know <laughs> <a> scheme... <laughs> It's my scheme, which is cool, man. Don't worry about it. So these podcasts will always be free. But if you do want to help support the podcast and you want to get access to our bonus episodes where we do like some proper mad bat shit, 
awful stuff. You lie, bad boy. <laughs> you lie, bad boy. <laughs> you can go to patreon.com slash teenage screen podcast and give us like $5 a week. Yep. Wait, no, a month. month. That's a, a month. Lot. Yeah. Only, yeah. only $5 a month. I know. That's, I spend more than that on worse shit. I spend more than that on cream eggs. Who was it? I think it was you the other day who was like thanking me for doing something and I was like, I do more for people I can't stand. <laughs> so don't worry about it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, if you do, if you want to do more for people you can't stand, you can give us Yay! some money. Um, and if not, rate, review, subscribe, all these things. Shout about us, wear your badges, whatever. Do whatever you like. Just yeah. just be happy. Just read along as well. Yeah, that's I mean, also don't, good. I feel like you shouldn't have to. No, no. That's if we provide any service to this world, I want it to be that we read these books so that others don't have to. That should be our tagline. <laughs> we read so you don't have to. Yeah, basically, because <laughs> then you freed up a bit of time. You can go and read something better. Yep. All right. Mm, in just, fact, what what are we, what are we recommending? Um, what are we? What are you reading right now? Um, oh, I'm reading about eight things right now. I'm reading Frankenstein again. Oh, a beautiful edition of it. Nice. Yes. And I'm also reading um, Choco Press's latest one, Fate by Jose Concilio. Ooh, they're great. What are you reading? I just read this book that I bet you would love. That's called The Memory Police oh, by oh. Yoko Ogawa. I've I got it. You would love it. I know it's on my, t- my two hundred book deep yeah. to read pile. It's not very long though, so okay. I would bump it up because you can read it. It's, I think you should read it like in a one like on a very beautiful afternoon and like get a nice coffee and some snacks and oh, just nice. like read it in a one But it's really beautiful and like really sad and great. Cool. Yeah. All right. So that's our recommendations of like actual good books <laughs> and this so, one. And hide and yeah, seek. Yeah, actually, hide and seek is good as well. Do read it, but be kind to yourself while you're reading it. Yes. Okay. okay. Bye. Bye.